good. All right, welcome to Goonies World. My name is Goonie, also known as Colin, and I'm joined via the internet by Meanie, also known as Ryan. Hello. And Johnny Pharaoh, also known as Sean. Also, hello. And so uh, we are traveling once again uh, to the 1980s um, uh, to a small town, well, medium-sized town, city, you could say, uh, in the mountainous areas of Northern California known as Jupiter Springs. And uh, you can kind of imagine, you know, like a, a satellite image view of the town as we sort of zoom down into uh, the sort of Sugarbush Valley area of town uh, and zoom in on a detached uh, garage. And in through the window, uh, we see three uh, kids, uh, Chip, Dicky, and Plunger. Um, and Chip is a little different these days. He... I mean, when he went into Heritage Pines, um, he, you know, like Motley Crue was his favorite band and, you know, he was like all into metal and stuff. But now he like, he's all into like the Misfits and the Ramones and he wears leather jackets and like smokes cigarettes and like, I don't know. I mean, it's like Tracy had some, some, corrupted him, some significant influence uh on him and his musical tastes and sort of uh you know not really personality so much but just like i don't know he's he's just he's less metal and more punk these he's days. becoming slightly more sophisticated and hip in the broader musical palette or, yes well and also and to be clear i mean derek had no small uh, you know amount of influence as well and you know the dingleberries kind of being in a, a punk punk sort of vein themselves so or oh, i'm assuming the chip is picking up a little guitar here and there and of course oh oh absolutely i mean he's he's learned to play i mean he got himself a cheapo uh japanese import uh stratocaster and he's been you know playing along to the ron's first album and learning to play that way like everybody i know learned to play guitar that's exactly like. how i pretty much learned how to play guitars drum along to the first ramones album but uh well, this is a good place for him to be then, because where the kids are uh, hanging out uh, is in the loft part of the garage, and down below is the practice space where, luckily, the uh, Derek and the Dingleberries aren't right now. And of course, we're making all kinds of Jupiter Springs references, you know, so if you haven't listened to any previous Jupiter Springs episodes, I'm sorry, they're just going to happen. You'll just have to go back and listen to them all to get the full appreciation. Yes, and by Jupiter Springs, we mean the kids on bikes episodes. And that's really probably all you'll need to listen to, episodes one through six. But you might want to listen to the other, uh, the uh, Hard Gate, or Hard Time and Hard Gate episodes and the uh, Springs episodes to get the full picture get the full the full tapestry the full panorama that is the fictional gaming town of jupiter springs <laughs> yeah sort of uh hard time at hard gate sort of uh like rogue one <laughs> type <laughs> yeah it's companion sort of companion yes yes <laughs> um 
but yes, they're they're all up in the uh, in the loft area of the detached plunger's grandmother's detached garage, and um, of course. Derek is, uh, just for anybody who hasn't listened to them, Derek is Plunger's older brother, who's in a band called the Dingleberries. Um, and uh, yes, they're, they're very unlike each other as brothers. You know, Plunger is, I mean, to look at him, he's a classical nerd and a chubby one at that with a big Jufro and, you know, owlish glasses. But Derek's like a badass, you know. And how old is he now? He's in his late teens. Doesn't matter. You know, late teens. Yeah, late yeah. teens. And uh, he's got a bitch in Camaro. Unfortunately, he can't park it in the garage since it has been given over to, uh, but they have overkill. They have the garage and the carport. So, right. And he, I mean, and, and I, I don't know if they're, uh, if their instruments are here, if they're on tour. I don't know if that even matters, uh, at the moment because we are not utilizing that part no, of the not. garage. Uh, we are up in the loft area. Um, where, uh, they, the guys appear to be, uh, setting up uh to play a game and uh chip is kind of fingering through a book looking around um and he he like a sort of a player's handbook type of book and he kind of looks up at plunger and raises an eyebrow and he says Dude, what's a gelf? Oh, gelf, uh, very, very sophisticated, being uh, immortal of course, and left killed through uh, uh, the wasting away uh, due to grief, or if they're killed through violence, of course. Uh, gelf has uh, longish, uh, pointy ears, um, generally uh, aloof from society. Um, uh, quite a nice uh, player class, though, however, as it uh, incorporates some of the uh, same, so the best uh, virtues of the fighter and the magic user. Um, <clears throat> but uh, very delicate creatures. Uh, they have hollow bones. Um, they, they do not grow beards, so on and so forth. Very David Bowie-esque, as you'll see. A little Mark Bolin of T-Rex, if you're familiar with these. So they're like, like birds? Well, sort <laughs> of. They're a lot more like birds, I suppose, than they are, say, badgers. They look, they look freaking lame, dude. Oh, they're bad uh, butts. You should, you should totally be one, I think. Well, uh, our, the truth is, the party hasn't had a a gelf uh, in quite some time. We were going to try to talk you into uh, playing a gelf, of course, but. Uh, um, you know, if a gelf is not for everybody, perhaps the more straightforward approach is uh, best. Well, I mean, I just, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to play like a chick gelf. And the dudes look just like the chicks. Well, they're very, they're very androgynous. You are correct. They're very well, androgynous. Um, do, would you rather play like uh, a munchkin? Those are a real munchkin? bad butts. Oh boy. Yeah, they're, you don't want to mess with them. Yeah, they're very, very, very sneaky and uh, hard to spot in uh, wilderness situations. And uh, they have great big hairy feet, of course. They love the uh, fire thighs and, uh, and quiet nights at home. But every now and then, one of them will steal away as you become an adventurer. They're... I mean, that, I don't know. I mean, that sounds pretty freaking lame, too, dude. Like, if they're not tough enough for you, what about uh, you could play a, a merman? What? 
like a mermaid, but a dude. Yeah, would, a merman. That would they would be very, very, very problematic. As uh, he would have to be immersed in water for a certain part of each twenty-four-hour uh, period. You would have to cart around, say, a wagon with a tank of water on it for the merman. It's just not practical, Dicky. We go. I feel like we've had this conversation before about the merfolk. Yeah, I just want somebody to play one sometime. Well, you just make it your wish sooner than you think, but not in the way that you have intended. Uh, of course, if you like a tough character, there's always the trog. The trog is a. Uh, oh, a Stony people who uh, delve deep into the mountain halls. Uh, they're very, very short, of course, and have very long beards. Thought of as quarrelsome and aloof and greedy by other folk. Uh, their women have luscious long beards, just as long as the men. And, well, yes, I didn't think you'd uh, go for that. Um, however, uh, we already have, of course, among the uh, human folk, or mankind, as it were, uh, we already have, of course, in our party... Uh, Dickie's character, Wendell Woolbeard, the element master, who is a master of magics. And we already have my character, Silas Seeker, who is a saddle specialist. A saddle specialist, excuse me. Yeah. Well, well I've been going to speech class still about this lisp, but I just can't get my, uh, I can't put my. I don't even hear it, Lisp. That's I don't even hear it anymore myself, but certain things like Silas Seeker, the Hisato Specialist, are, are a little bit tricky to say. But <laughs> nevertheless, <laughs> I shall continue on. However, we need another male character than another human character, that is, and I think that uh, you would look, rather play a male, and I think that's all that's really left for you since I don't see you as a member of the priestly class of would be that of the pugilist. The pugilist? Yes, it's there on uh, page uh, 63 of your uh, player's handbook, your Druids of Dragondale player's uh, handbook. They're deadly punchers. Well, not only punchers, not meant to be taken completely literally. They are... Uh, yeah, but they can punch, like, really hard, though. I think they could probably punch... A hole through a dragon's face. It is, it is at least technically possible for them to punch a hole through a dragon's face because the pugilist uh, has a class ability called Exploder. I uh, mean, his damage dice explode, meaning if you roll the highest possible number on the dice, you get to keep rolling and add to it. And uh, therefore, with great luck, uh, you could technically, I guess, punch right through a, a dragon's face. I think Dickie's right. If you're high enough level, that is. Well, yeah, dude, that sounds pretty badass, so... Uh... Yes, of course, he's a an adherent of all martial forms of combat. He will, of course, not just be uh, only punching things. He will have, uh, you know, other weapons at his disposal as well. Um, you'll see a standard package there on page 68 of the Player's Handbook. Uh, you can go ahead and take that that list of items and equipment there if you uh, have decided in fact on the the pugilist uh, have you decided on a name for your pugilist oh uh, like the most uh, appropriate thing that I could think of was Mike Tyson well uh, I think well, that's taken isn't it well I don't know if it's quite in the spirit of the uh the, you know, the intended uh, culture of the system. I'm going to have to insist on some, um, an alternate spelling and a few umlauts or something, just to make it fit a little better, but uh, I think if Mike Tyson speaks to you, then you should go with that. So, 
Uh, I hope you're not going to talk with a lisp, too. Uh, one is enough, please. I've uh, never even... You didn't hear that. I've never, <laughs> even noti- I've never even noticed that Mike Tyson had a lisp before. <laughs> yeah, he's got a little bit of a lisp. He kind of talks like this. But I, but I don't I don't know I mean I don't know I don't know if I want to try to do like you know silly voices like that's kind of embarrassing. Well, some people aren't comfortable with voices. Um, I myself have a rather limited palate. I'm more of a Clint Eastwood style of actor. Uh, Kurt Russell maybe a little bit better choice. Um, actually, the difference is in uh, Kurt Russell's performance in Escape from New York and uh, Clint Eastwood's performance. In any movie are virtually indistinguishable, by the way. But that is neither here nor there. We're not here for the John Carpenter dissertation. That, of course, will be after the game. <laughs> Speaking of uh, John Carpenter, dude, like, um, did you know that uh, uh, John Carpenter's uh, the was it the thing? That's correct. Yes, John Carpenter. Yes. John Carpenter's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, did you know that was a remake, dude? Yes, I knew that. Howard Hawk. Howard Hawk, that's right. And which was itself, Howard Hawk's version, it was itself a remake of uh, of John W. Campbell's sort of story called Who Goes There? Who Goes There, yeah. Yes, and um, yes, however, uh, John Carpenter, uh, I believe, brought a certain uh, visceral uh, modern day horror approach to the whole thing that. Uh, I thought was just brilliant. Uh, much better done than Aliens, you know, because of uh, beloved Hollywood stuntman turned actor Wolfer Brimley's presence in the thing. Not to mention the uh, theme song by uh, com- legendary composer Ennio Morricone on a soundtrack otherwise composed by John Carpenter. John Carpenter as a composer steps aside only for Ennio Morricone. But gentlemen, as often happens in a Dungeons in a Druids of Dragondale game, we digress. We digress, <laughs> gentlemen. So it sounds like uh, we are, we have a, a pugilist named Mike Tyson. I'm going to go ahead and artificially level you up to 11th level because our characters are 11th level and you have no standard chance of survival. Yes, but never forget that you didn't earn it. You're just there because we don't want you dragging us down. All well, right, it, so you watch and learn. It is more satisfying to earn the uh, experience points through dint of hard fighting and experience, but... Nevertheless, I myself am deprived of some enjoyment because I am also the uh, the game master, as it were. Uh, so I do not fully, even though I have an NPC character, Silas Seeker, who will be joining you on your adventures, ultimately the choices shall be your own. He will act in support of you. Otherwise, my godlike knowledge of the setting would uh, enable him to make unfair choices and seem like a badass. I used to do that a lot. Like when I was in the fifth and sixth grade, but now that I'm a man in junior high, uh, I don't play that power gaming stuff anymore. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> well, we really need a couple more members of this party. I've actually thought about asking Lance from a uh, strategy games club because he's in the drama club as well, and I thought he'd really be able to do the role playing. And I thought about asking Abby as well, <laughs> but oh, she's grounded, of course. So, yeah, I don't think her parents like us, dude. Everybody likes us. Don't be crazy. And uh, my mom is not to know about any of this, all right? No uh, Druids of Dragondale talk. uh, And uh, I don't think we should mention Abby at all. Uh, So 
we're just uh, hanging out and um, kind of flipping through the Bible a little bit and, you know, doing those type of things. Don't even get me started on numerology contained within the Bible. I could predict with a fair degree of accuracy the end of the world. Let's just uh, leave out any sort of uh, that sort of mystical stuff and just uh, if it comes down to it, you know, it's just Jesus, uh, just Jesus stuff. All right. And uh, almost as if on cue, uh, the telephone in the uh, loft rings. Oh, great. Hello? Plungeth grandmother speaking. May I help you? Oh, Merlin, that's just horrible. I don't know why you would try to do that. I, is Dickie around? Could you please put my little Dickie on the phone? Wait a moment, please. All right, here you go. Here you go, Dickie. It's for you. Oh, oh, it must be. Oh, it's probably my mom. Uh, hello. Hello, Dickie. Um, I just was calling to check in on you. Uh, I was just making sure that you were eating, uh, you know, all the right foods and were going yeah. to the bathroom regularly. And great marshmallow floor. <laughs> we shut up, plunger. We. Uh, we got little uh, baby carrots. We're just munching on. Uh, we've, I, I, no marshmallow fluff whatsoever. Yes, yes. Um, you shouldn't eat the marshmallow fluff, you know. And uh, now, if you wanted uh, to, uh, perhaps order a pizza or something, I think you know. If you don't get too much of pepperoni and then greasy yes. stuff, you know. It hurts my tummy. I know. I wouldn't want you to have to... I mean, are you going to be staying the night there, Dickie? Yes, if I don't get too scared, I think I can make it the whole night. And uh, uh, don't worry, uh, Plunger's uh, grandmother is uh, going to keep watch. And uh, Oh, yes, I'll be keeping all kinds of watch. She's like a hawk, that woman. Really more like a, a, an owl. <laughs> Yeah, more like a, a great horned owl. Okay. Well, uh, all right, Dickie. You have a good time there. You know, read, study that Bible real hard, and, and someday you'll be my little preacher boy. Yeah, I sure will. All right. Well, uh, I love you, Dickie. Uh, have a good, have a good night. I'll check in with you in twenty minutes. I'll be waiting. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> she hangs up. Well, then, and and Chip, it's been my experience. That might be something we just have to get a little bit used to. Um, uh, luckily, if, if I ever did have a talk with uh, your mother about the Bible, she would uh, she would never stop throwing up. But uh, perhaps we should think about getting uh, getting into the game before uh, the next phone call. Unless there's any. Uh, we can, of course, explain the rules as we go to the uh, newbies. So, okay. We're going to press uh, record on the tape player before we start. That's right. We will be recording this. Um, we'll have a, a little intro and a little theme music. Um, as as uh, some of you know, you know we've recently recorded some, uh, some background music for this. Uh, so we'll be using that. So... Uh, if there's an awkward pause or silence, or if you say something stupid, don't worry, we can um, edit it out quite easily with some uh, tape and scissors. 
All right, dude. So, like, uh, I don't know. I mean, h- how do you, like, start it off? Like this. Long ago, there was an ancient time. A time of magic. A time of monsters. A time of heroes. A time of the druids of Dragondale. In a mysterious borderland of a fading empire, our heroes, an element master, a shadow specialist, and probably a pugilist, travel to the outlying ruins called the Heap on the Borderlands, there to delve boldly into the maze of chaos. No one knows why. No one can say what motivates such men. Perhaps they seek the fabled realms of legendary adventure because they are men. Not trogs, not gelfs, not munchkins, but men. Now, let us tell you of the days of high adventure. Now, when we start off the game, you can see that we find ourselves in the world of Druids of Dragondale. You find yourself standing in a semi-barren landscape with a few bald brown hills and some thickly grass. Oh, there's a tree here and there and a path beating off to the north. <laughs> <laughs> Beating off to the north up a great hill, where you see some fields in the distance, and a tower-like town upon the hill. And this is where you are headed, for you are headed into the borderlands. You have already had your adventures in the decaying empire you have left behind you. You now head for the tower town upon the hill, where the great Lord Richard, a powerful pugilist, has carved out a domain for himself, and has the ruler of a few paltry hexters. You have heard that if he could do it, then perhaps great and mighty warriors such as yourselves might make yourselves lords of these borderlands. You have heard that beyond this tower town of Lord Richard lies a place known as the Heap on the Borderlands. The ruins of a once mighty fortress, even greater than the tower town that Lord Richard took Perhaps you could find this place. Perhaps you could rob it of its treasures, clear it of whatever monstrous denizens have infested it, and perhaps even make yourselves lords even greater than Lord Richard. Perhaps bring some measure of peace to these wild and unruly borderlands. So, go ahead, ahead, please. Oh, I I was just going to ask, like, where's this uh, Lord Richard dude at? He is in the tower town that is in the north. As you uh, are approaching the road, you will have ha- you have been traveling all day, and you will need to stop in this town where this Lord Richard is, in order to 
rest and recuperate and learn some rumors. For although the valley that lays beyond the tower town, within it somewhere contains the heap on the borderlands, you do not know exactly where. Perhaps someone in this town does. And it is a town you will soon be approaching. I don't know if you could get an audience with Lord Richard himself. That remains to be seen. Well, how powerful of a pugilist is he? I mean, it's well, like he's not more powerful than me, right? Oh, he's certainly more powerful than you. He's at least a 24th level pugilist. In fact, you don't gain the uh, ability to uh, erect your own stronghold and attract an army of followers until at least 20th level, which he's passed uh, some time ago. He could definitely punch a hole through a dragon's face. Po- it's possible. Again, possible to do that with exploding dice. But yes, he is someone perhaps uh, that you could end up like someday and perhaps even eclipse someday. For he has taken a much lesser tower. This this tower that you approach, this town, it itself was a ruin on the borderlands that he cleared out. And he cleared away the filth and the monstrosities from the countryside. And as you approach, you can see now there are fields of corn and carrots and russet potatoes growing alongside the roads. And this Lord Richard must clearly be much more powerful than you. But someday, perhaps, you could be even more powerful than him. However, there is an old lady on the road ahead. There is a corpse hanging from the tree above her by the roadside. A cloud of insects buzzes around the corpse. She has the same voice as the voice that I use when I fake my grandmother's voice, as it just so happens. And she says, Well met, travelers! She has with her a handcart, and you can smell from the handcart some delicious pies. She is selling some meat pies. There's not that many left. Yes, greetings, travelers! Oh, strangers to the area, I see, coming from the lands of the Empire. Might I interest you in a meat pie? The hour grows late! And you wouldn't want to find out that all the uh, best bits of beef in the tavern when you get to the town have been taken. Perhaps you'd like to fortify yourself with a lovely meat pie from old Grelda, the meat pie lady. Hmm? Uh, well met. I am uh, Wendell Woolbeard, uh, a druid of Dragondale. And a master of the elements, for oh they are at my command. Oh my, well, these pies are at your command as well. Many good elements went into these pies, I can assure you of that. And who is your strapping friend? Uh, I presume you are talking of the pugilist, and his name is Mike Tyson. Well, Mike Tyson. And now this is where I'm speaking to you directly, and so you would just engage with uh, the old lady as if you were there with her in real life. Okay, so do I... Um, but I don't have to... I mean, Dickie, that was really good. And, like, dudes, I, I mean, I'm... Gonna... I've got years and years of experience. <sighs> All right. Don't, don't, don't sweat it. Just talk like a chip, and we'll just pretend... Also, you could feel free. It would be semi-appropriate because in real life, I'd say you're a pretty tough guy. And in the game, you're a pretty tough guy. So I imagine many of your personality features would be quite similar. And of course, the old lady sees you as a strapping, fine man. Don't forget that you have my NPC, Silas Seeker, the shadow specialist, with you. 
but he is a quiet type. He's a quiet type with an eye patch and some uh, facial scarring, and is not likely to be uh, offered pies by strange ladies the way a uh, powerful fighter like yourself would. Might I interest you in a pie, then, Mr. Mike Tyson? Well, um, hold on. Let me see. Um, hold on. So, uh, no, I don't want to do that. Um, uh, sorry, guys. Um, no. (laughs) Well, that's too bad. You certainly know how to say no, don't you? You know how to dash well, an old lady's hopes when she's hoping to sell a few pies at the end of the day. Well, it really... Just... What? Did you change your mind to buy a pie? Is that what you're stammering about? Well, no, I was just gonna, like, ask why you've got, like, your pies hanging under, like, sitting under a corpse where it could get juice on, like, from the corpse on the pies. Well, like, I'm, not direct, I'm not directly under it, as you can see. Um, this is, um... People come here sometimes to see the corpse. You know, there's a band of wicked men. I wasn't going to tell you any useful rumors unless you bought one of my pies. But, lest I seem to be a completely morbid person, enjoys hanging around underneath corpses swinging from trees. Let me tell you, this is what passes for entertainment around here for a lot of the people. They've got one bard up in the tower town, and he's a terrible bard. He's the worst ever. Uh, plays the one song repeatedly over and over and over and over and over and over. It's the same six bars endlessly and repeatedly. You keep wishing it would fade out or something. Anyway, uh, what they do for entertainment is they'll come around and they'll look for the killings like these, and the killings are done by the wicked men. The wicked men are a group of men who are, oh, they're meandering about inside the forest. You see, they're looking for the castle of the Amber Princess. But I perhaps wonder if you don't already know about that. Uh, I, <clears throat> I don't think so. Is her name Amber? Oh, no. She is a very beautiful gelf oh, princess. Amber's a color, Chip. It's like yellow, kind of, it's or a, orange. Yes, it's yellow. sort of a yellowish orange. Well, the castle Amber, the, uh, the castle of the Amber Princess, is somewhere within the forest. However, and she used to be a great ruler here, but she disappeared long ago. However, they say these wicked men are roaming the forest looking for a castle, causing trouble. And those who oppose them get hung up in trees like this one. People come to gawk at the corpse, and that is why I set up my meat pies here. At lunchtime, I did a brisk business, believe me. Oh, it's times like these I, I wish I had a different character because Wendell Boo, Bluebeard is not interested in princesses. He's all, all about nature and Mother Earth and balance. But uh, well, if I was playing a fighter or like a, if I was a pugilist, I'd go and rescue the princess. Well, dude, oh. like what? Uh, like, <clears throat> excuse me. Like, why doesn't, like, the Richard dude, like, deal with it? Well, you know, I do believe that he might have sent some men out in search of these, this castle, but, uh, I tell you, he's got his hands full on his own, and he does have a lady, of course. No, I believe that it's very possible that this, uh, Gelf princess, this Amber princess, is merely a legend. But some of these wicked men believe that if they could find her old castle, they may have some fortress that they could 
uses a base of operations for their raids. You see, the Lord Richard's power does not extend that far beyond these lands of now which, that we're speaking in at this very moment. Once you go down into the valley, it is a wild and lawless place. It will take great heroes to bring order to such a terrible place. Perhaps it is you. Perhaps you will find this Amber Princess, for she was the legitimate ruler here long ago. And whoever submarries the silver, uh, the Amber Princess would certainly be the rightful ruler of all these lands. Oh, you should, you should get on that, Mike. But, uh, madam, uh, I have a question for you. Yes? Have you heard of a place known as the Heap? Oh, my. Of course, I've heard of the Heap on the Borderlands, but it's not for me to speak of such things. The journey to the Borderlands, the Heap, the, the Heap anyway, is on the Blasted Heath. Far from here, many days' journey. It takes three or four days at least. I myself have never traveled very far at all. I prefer to stay local and make my pies. But I have heard that it was once a great fortress, a great and powerful fortress in ancient days long ago, long before the the days of the, the Amber Princess, long before the days of the decaying empire to the east. A place that the elder beings once walked long ago. I dare not speak of such things. If you mention the unpronounceable names of the elder gods, then they might return. But there is, a, there is a great, a great fear a great and terrible darkness has taken residence in the heap and penetrated the maze of chaos. But perhaps there are folk in the tower town who will know more about such things who can provide you with more useful information. I've said too much already. Yes, uh, we seek to go to this place, this heap on the borderland. Oh, no! And we are traveling now to this town of this tower town and let us be on our way unless uh, you have any questions um, I do I have a very important not question you. for you uh, what is it would you like to buy a pie what is the meat made out of madam it's meat? is it not the meat from this hanging corpse above you oh no I would never do such a thing you would have to be just a crazy old woman who lives alone in a cottage in the woods to do such a thing. Oh, I see. Well, uh, are you hungry, Chip? I mean, Mike? Um, <clears throat> kinda, but like, I, 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 I have a very uh, suspicious feeling about like the nature of the uh, meat. Yes, I feel the same way. Well, I if you just can't trust the poor old lady, poor old pie woman who's just trying to make a living and dispensing helpful rumors, then I guess I'll just take my pies and go. They'll still be good for breakfast, even if they're a little cold. Maybe I shall inspect this corpse. How far 
in the air is this corpse suspended? Well, it's about six feet up in the air. You can grab its uh, legs. But yeah, it looks like meat's been hacked off of it. Meanwhile, she's like hurriedly pushing the uh, handcart back off. Uh, you left. You, uh, your lisp is gone. Amazing. No, I'm I'm now just talking in regular character, I guess. Uh, meanwhile, she is, she is hurriedly pushing the handcart away to the northeast into the into the woods, seemingly. Uh, risking suspicious glances behind her, leading you to believe that indeed, perhaps she has been making pies out of the meat on the thick calves and lower thighs of this dangling corpse. Although you have no reason to disbelieve her story about the corpses being placed here as warnings about not to cross the wicked men who live in the forest. Well, uh, that's not the kind of calves you make uh, veal out of, so I think we should just get to the town. Let's be on our way, then. Well, Here we go. I think it is a good idea, because it is beginning to get up on dusk, and your tummies growl, even though you feel slightly disgusted, because the pies actually <sighs> smelled pretty good to you for a little bit before you realize what they might be. Speaking of tummies growling, pass the uh, fluff, please. That's right. We have plenty of marshmallow fluff, by the way, uh, over there, as well as some Slim Jims. So help yourself, everyone. Here you go. From a, and sometimes I, I like to put a Slim Jim right into the marshmallow fluff and take a bite. Ugh, plunger. What I call sweet meat. <laughs> I haven't uh, developed that uh, particular uh, taste affinity, but I do love. Uh, Cinnamon graham cracker fluff sandwiches. So I shall prepare one now and continue, GM. All right. You know, sometimes uh, as a token of appreciation for the uh, the game master, sometimes people make them little, you know, fluff sandwiches while they're uh, so I'm saying. Uh, I will. I will break it in half. Well, approaching the uh, tower town up ahead. Which, as you can see, it was once a ruin, but it's now been proudly rebuilt with fresh bricks of clay and the blonde color of young timbers rising up above the old ruined battlements on a hill above you. There are indeed fields, as I mentioned earlier, of carrots and corn and russet potatoes. And you see that there is another road here, a great fork in the road leading off to the south west, uh, I'm sorry, the southeast far away from the town. You've been coming up directly from the south. Uh, and there's a great stair that leads up the steep hill that this tower town is built upon. And there is no one at the gate to stop you from walking in, although there are guards in smoked brown plate armor. Of course, they don't wear full plate. They're wearing chainmail and brigandine armor, but they have large plates that have been smoked to give them a distinctive brown color and they seem to be uh, at least in some measure of control of the situation a great blood red flag flies over the central keep meanwhile there are a few dozen mean and rude buildings clustered here nearby inside the walls of the tower town and one of the men approaches you this man in the smoked brown uh, armor and he says to you, Oi! Strangers, eh? Uh, we are strangers to you, yes. Well, you're lucky you've come here before we had to shut the gates after dark. 
just in time. Just in time to pay the... Druid is always uh, arriving just when he means to. Just precisely when he means to. I'll get there. Yes, I've met a few druids in my day. But you're just in time where I meant well to pay the gate tax. One, uh... Yeah. One, 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 uh, one gold piece, please. Oh, yes. Uh... Let me retrieve one from my purse. Uh, Mike, uh, my companion, do you have gold to pay? Yes, he does. You both, in fact, have 50 gold pieces in your purses. Yeah, um, so is this normal, Wendell? Like, for these guys to, like, is there, is gate tax, like, a really a thing that, that is real? Uh, some towns are like that, you know. They just like to uh, make you pay for every single thing that you do. Well, you can certainly see a lot of signs of recent construction here. Like I said, the fresh uh, clay bricks, the uh, fresh timbers, uh, possibly trying to squeeze a little bit of reimbursement for that out of the people who come to use the town. Probably not some local extortion scheme by this this brown-clad town guard, in other words. Well, in that case, I'm gonna hand him uh, um, a gold piece. Well, you're you're right to be suspicious, of course, says the man. But uh, this this goes to good calls, of course. Well, Richard's putting everything back together, you know. Gonna get this land back on track. We retain this ancient glory that it was in all uh, the times. Now, if you're looking for a place to stay. Uh, one of the two taverns in town burnt down, so you'll just have to stay at the uh, House of the Weeping Widow there, all right? Yes, uh, uh, if you could direct us to this uh, w- uh, this inn or this tavern, uh, we would be appreciative, and we wish to rest our weary feet and grab a bite to eat. Well, I'm pointing to it right now because, as you can see, this is uh, really less of a town with a grid of street patterns and more of a stockade. I thought of a medieval Alamo, as it were. Although, I guess that character would have no idea what the Alamo was. I gotta be very careful when I not have little anachronism slip into the story about that. I apologize. But yes, indeed, it's more of a great enclosure, you know, with... Uh, uh, buildings built up around the edges. And the House of the Weeping Widow is not hard to find. Uh, it has a giant teardrop-shaped sign hanging from it. When there is the sound of tavern revelry coming from within, this, of course, being just after dusk, and the lights and the smells of the roasting beef and mutton coming from the place, as well as the repetitive but boisterous music, seems quite inviting. Would you like to enter the House of the Weeping Widow? Yeah. So check this out, Chip. There's going to be all kinds of, uh, you know, babes there. You would call them babes. Um, so, you know, this is like kind of my favorite part of uh, these types of games where you just... Uh, you know, you can talk to girls, and uh, and you just you you'll see. It's exactly uh, why I made the pie selling woman be an old woman, just so we wouldn't waste you know an hour and forty five minutes at the beginning with him trying to uh, get a slice of cherry pie, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I see. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, 
I don't know. Unfor- unfortunately for you, Dickie, the characters in the game will be more likely to be attracted to the strapping young pugilist character than they will the freaky, weird, you know, druid with the uh, plus two vorpal sword of chaos strapped to him. So, But be that as it may, when you enter the cozy confines of the house of the weeping widow you can see that the ceiling is very low and heavily stained with smoke but it's not unpleasant at all in here it almost smells like a a a humidor where people keep cigars my uncle has one ah very very lovely smell in here but also the smell of the roasting spits of meat they're turning on the great central fireplace and there is the sound of revelry indeed for there's not much to do packed into this little tower town on top of the hill out here on the borderlands. And so most of the people of the village are here. There is, in fact, a beautiful barmaid. You know she is a barmaid because of the tray of drinks she has. She carries a tray with a strap around her neck that helps keep it from upsetting. And is on a small hinge underneath her breasts, which are displayed to full advantage as she brings you covered glasses of ale and says, Welcome, please. Oh, mysterious travelers, would you like me to try to find you a good corner table and would you like to slake your thirst with these? She says, thrusting her uh, mugs of ale at you. I would call those jugs. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, yeah, hey, babe, uh, uh, I want a beer, and uh, yeah, uh, a quiet they, like table and, in the corner, and you can go. And like, they have to give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and you can uh, you know, you can like come over and, and like sit with us if you're you know get uh, bored. Well, I'm afraid I'm I'm very very busy working right now, but here this is a nice corner table over by the fireplace. Just a few other strangers in town tonight, but not that many. So please, let's have a seat. And here, you go ahead. You have this nice, tall ale. And I'll be back and see if you want a little uh, a little leg or something later, or a little butt. You know, leg growth, butt growth, anything like that. Oh, that's not what I was thought. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you were thinking. Oh, I know what you were thinking, too, naughty boys. She says, and she turns around and... uh leave. Meanwhile, a uh, heavily bearded trog comes uh, ambling up to your table. Well, hello there, well met fellow travelers, says the trog. Greetings. Uh, Don't mind if I have a quick uh, seat here and a quick drink with you. I'm always happy to hear news from the outside of the world. That was gonna be where the lady sat. Oh, well. Uh, Yes, uh, what news have you? Well, I, of course, uh, I assume you've come here, uh, from the Decaying Empire because opportunities are drying up. I myself came here, uh, to seek out the heap on the borderland. Have you ever heard of it? We have heard tale. Uh, what can you tell us about this mysterious heap? Well, I never made it there. First of all, I went into the woods... And perhaps I should have taken a larger party of adventurers, but I'm a trog and I have a very high constitution and I relied on my internal abilities to keep myself safe. And I had heard rumors that there was an old hermit who lived in the woods and that if I would seek him out, he would give me a key to a great treasure. 
But when I found him, he asked for me in a, a stupid riddle, and I didn't get it. And he told me to be off and away with him, and he didn't give me any kind of key. So I wandered off, and I got a little bit lost. I saw a sign that uh, told me not to go any further upon danger of my own life. Uh, and uh, then, then, however, just before I decided to come back, I saw a lake. And in this lake were crystal clear, beautiful waters. And I swear I saw some treasure shining from the bottom of the lake. You guys know like how we have out in the, you know, Tiloa Pine. They've got like their own lake out like that here. Any, anyway, um, so I was forced to leave these riches behind because of the sign and because of the terrible thing I saw creeping up from beyond the sign. They warned me of certain death. It was the terrible, viscous, shaking and quaking ogre jelly. Have you heard of this? Uh, have you heard of this terrible beast? Ogre jelly. What's Wendell? What the? What's up? What's it? What's an ogre jelly, man? Ogre jelly is um, it's j- jelly that oozes and uh, it. C- can swallow you up and uh, trap you and totally digest your bone. Digest you completely, and it is um, well. I'm not going to tell you all of the weaknesses and stuff that an ogre jelly might have. But anyway, this trog, after having his drink, doesn't have much to say other than the uh, few rumors he has uh, imparted uh, about an ogre jelly that may be somewhere. I also hear reference to a, a, a lake with some treasure in it and a sign somewhere around that lake. So perhaps if you were to see these things in the forest in the future, you will have gathered some valuable intelligence. Yeah, we got to find that uh, hermit. Talk to him. Well, yes. Yeah, he mentioned a hermit that was uh, out in the... He, he said he had a riddle and uh, who knows where that oh, I bet we. I bet I can solve the riddle. Well, maybe, maybe not, but... Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, the, uh, uh, the innkeeper comes up to you. She's an older woman, weeping. She's been crying all day. This, this tavern is called the House of the Weeping Widow, and literally, it must be named for her because she is still sort of weeping. <gasps> Hello, welcome to the Weeping Widow. Would you like a leg of lamb, or would you like a pork butt for your for your repast, good sir? You should order a pork butt. Uh, I, I want I want the pork butt, please. <laughs> oh yes, I'll get you the finest butt. He <laughs> <laughs> wants the biggest butt. Yeah, the biggest butt you have. Oh, you want the big butt? Well, I cannot lie, the big butt is available. But it costs twice as much. I'm afraid the big butt is a five gold piece butt. Sounds worth it to me. Well, in that case, bring out the big butt! <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, it's just that I've been weeping for years now. I just can't get over the loss of my husband. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, like, what happened to him? He, he had a rival tavern and it burned down. It was terrible. So... 
I changed the name of this tavern. Uh, I suspect foul play. Oh, I'll bring back that big, big butt in a moment. Here's some bread and cheese. And she wanders off because you've hurt her feelings. And if, uh, let me talk as plunger and not as shown. Well, she wanders off, and because you've mildly offended her by bringing up such painful memories, perhaps she does not send the buxom barmaid back over uh, for quite some time. But when the bar, when the buxom barmaid does come over, she leans over the table, giving you a clear view of her womanly asset. I see that. Well, Do you have any? Uh, okay, never mind. Uh, yep. Yeah, uh, whoa! Look at that. What are you looking at? Uh, well, the, uh, um, uh, your eyes. <laughs> your eyes. Oh, you find my eyes attractive, do you? Well, they're so bulbous. <laughs> bulbous? You sound, you, make me sound like a hoblin. You know, hoblins have bulbous eyes. You know, I'd be careful if you're going to leave town. I've heard there's a little band of hoblins running around, molesting travelers in the dark. You should be careful. Yeah, nobody wants to get molested in the dark, right? Well, anyway, should I arrange for the Weeping Widow to come and uh, should, 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 uh, provide you with some rooms for the night? Uh, we've heard, uh, uh, we've spoken to this widow before, and uh, between her uh, weepings, we heard some rumors, but uh, I heard a rumor myself about you. Oh, what rumor was that? Oh, uh, I heard uh, you like to kiss uh, druids on the mouth. Okay, I'm going to rule there is a 1 in 20 percent. There's a 1 in 20 chance, which is a 5 percent chance, that uh, she, in fact, does like to kiss druids on the mouth. So, you know, the law of averages suggests that some hot girls like old, disgusting druids. So... Please roll a d20, Dickie, and see if you roll a one, and if you do, she will kiss you on the mouth. Okay. Okay. Can I use my uh, luck stones if, uh, yes, you if mean I your, fail? Yes, you your luck stone for any roll. With, okay. like, even damage? Damages, ta- damage rolls, table rolls, all kinds of rolls. All right, so, and the d20 is, like, this big round one, right? Yes, it's the one where it's- the highest number is 20. It's one that's closest to a sphere. Looks like a little sphere of triangles, if that makes sense. Uh, yes, uh, let me show you. Now, what you want to do is you grab the die. The singular is called die. It's pretty cool. And you grab it, and you shake it vigorously in your palm. Some people okay. believe that shaking the die for 72 minutes before actually rolling it helps, but other people like me do not agree. Well, I... Uh, do agree that uh, quite uh, a lengthy rolling and shaking and a cupped palm is the key to success so I think I've done that enough and let me roll well not this time uh, Wes I can clearly see that it's not a one and she is not prepared this time uh She's just not here. You know, she's not put here just for your pleasure, Dickie. She's her own person, with her well, own agendas and her own feelings. You know? That's not true. This is just a game. Well, in my 
in my Droids of Dragondale universe, uh, Gretchen of the Barmaid has a dreams, and it goes beyond just a well, rolling hay with the first old man who smells like peat moss to uh, wander in from the woods. Who's peat moss? Never mind. Uh, it's too long <laughs> to explain. Leaving the next day bright and early, you see that the road continues down from the tower town into the broad valleys below. It snakes through some wooded hill for a while, but then dips down into uh, a low-lying land which is covered with a cloying mist in the distance. It is that land, that mist-covered forest, in which somewhere the heap in the borderlands resides. And maybe even the castle of the Amber Princess that you have heard rumor about. Or these other things, perhaps. And darker, stranger things of which you might not have heard. However, the path goes quite clearly in the, into, the, uh, into the unknown, as it were. For as I said, in ancient times, these lands were once populous. populous. And so there's certainly no need to make any uh, rolls to try to find the path. The path is all too clear as it stretches out through the hills. Some crows cry out and ravens fly by in a lonely fashion. And in the distance... I was talking to him. Yeah, yeah, because I speak with animals. Yeah. Yes, really? What, cool. what were they saying? What were the crows saying, Dickie? They were saying, uh, well... These are there's a druid coming and and he's pretty cool and uh, he's got uh, a couple of friends with him and uh, and beware to monsters. You know, it's possible that they are saying that exact same thing. You never know what strange secrets the birds are telling to each other. But it's also possible that you don't know what you're talking about and that uh, you. No character ability to speak with birds that I'm aware of. But I applaud that sort of thing, though. You want to throw that sort yeah. of stuff in. In the future, all games are going to be more narrativist anyway. So you'll be encouraged in the future to make that type of stuff up. So let's just go for it now. Uh, yeah. I've, I've always believed in being a trendsetter. Anyway, at any rate, we should, we should continue on. And so for the almost the whole first day... You, pla- you pass through pleasant countryside, molested by no one. And if it's pleasant, it's certainly deserted. And the road is certainly not in great repair, as tall tufts of grass grow through its broken and ancient brick. And towards the end of the day, you come across a dip in the land, where it's difficult to keep your footing. And the road has been washed away by the rains, and you see ahead of you merely a suggestion of a path where the road once was. A little bit harder to see and pick out, especially now that after your long day of travel, darkness is beginning to fall. Would you like to find a place to uh, make camp for the evening? Yeah, we should probably do that. You don't want to go adventure through the woods at night. There's all kinds of beasts and monsters about. Uh... Yes, um, young, uh, Mike, uh, I say we shall make camp for the night, and, uh, 
We must set watch. Well, <clears throat> yeah, I think that uh, seems like a good idea. I don't, I'm, I don't have uh, a tent, but I've got this bedroll. Uh, we should probably make a fire. Um, so I'm going to start like collecting some wood and stuff. It's an excellent idea. You also have flint and steel, so there's no trouble getting a fire started. It's merely a matter of taking some time to do it. It takes a... Uh, I shall let you do it your rudimentary way, for I could cast a spell... Uh, causing great fire, but I suppose I shall hold that in, in my fingertips for now. It's usually not a good idea to uh, waste spells for our mundane uses. Uh, but I also notice that you have some rations as, as well. Uh, would, uh, would either of you care to uh, try, try to hunt uh, a nice uh, a nice rabbit or uh, something like that, though, to uh, make for your dinner rather than relying on your boring iron rations? I shall not permit any eating of furry woodland critters. I am against it. Do you feel strong? Do you, do, do you agree with this or uh, not disagree strongly enough with it to have a confrontation about this? Uh, Mike, Don't do Mike it. Mike Tyson, or, does your, or do you crave flesh? You, you better not do it. I mean... I'm prepared to cast all my spells on you. But so a druid does not mess around with this sort of stuff. But Wendell, um, you you ate the big butt with me. I did not partake in big butt eating. I simply watched and made jokes. You didn't. I ate the whole you're butt a, myself. You're a liar. Yes, you ate all that butt. I didn't eat any butt. So, uh. You take that back. I didn't do that. What well, was fine? I'll roll, roll against you, and I'll cast um, uh, uh, call the wild on you. Well, considering it was a five-pound butt, and I probably didn't eat the whole thing, so I your fat butt now. <laughs> so uh, um, I'm gonna. Uh, can I say that I just like uh, brought it, like it with me, leftovers? Yeah, you brought some. Yeah, you brought some leftover butt and some wax paper sure yeah you get out that greasy butt and chow down and I'll assume that uh, I'll assume that Wendell eats his trail mix and I'll assume you're talking as plunger and I'll assume that I am talking as plunger because <laughs> this is a very meta situation I am the <laughs> player of a game DMing a game in which I am the so the also the, the fine there's a very fine line between fawn and plunger that you may so, so plunger is sort of a, the inner nerd, but I digress because as you're arguing about butts and who ate how much butts or whether anyone ate butts, you begin to drift off. You have your fire. You have your well, bed roll. I specifically said we should cast. We should um, uh, t- uh, make uh, wa- take watch. Yes, but then all I remember hearing after that was a lengthy conversation about uh, butt eating. So. Uh, that you're saying we completely forgot? I'm saying that uh, unless you would, uh, unless well, okay. Are you saying that you're prepared to uh, call a rules lawyer? I have him on speed dial. I will. Listen, if, if there's no need for it to come to that, I don't consider this pivotal. Um, as long as you remember to respect my authority as a game master, I'm willing to concede for the moment that uh, you did remember to set a watch. And 
As we all know, things happen more or less randomly during the nighttime. If I roll a six, something happens, and I just rolled a six, and then I also just rolled a one, and so these are two terrible things. And just as you're about to go to sleep, before the first watch has even occurred, there is a thing on your neck, Dickie, or excuse me, I should say Wendell, and a, oh, as well, there's a thing on your neck, Mike Tyson. Something has something stung has me, stung and you. you as well. Please, most of you make saves versus this terrible poison that is now coursing through your, through your veins. You, of course, must roll higher than a 10. So you want to roll save, roll the d20 and add whatever number your save is. You need higher than a 10. Okay. <laughs> By a lot. And just so, you know, I don't need to use... I, but I have a calculator watch uh, that my mom gave me for my birthday. But of course, the calculations are all done uh, on my uh, brain computer. So, um, but Chip, if you want to use my calculator, uh, you're welcome to. These are pretty difficult, uh, well, uh, you know, addition, and the high, high numbers. So, well, fortunately, I don't need to because the number on the D20, as you say, is uh, already over 10. Yes, a lot of times you can see big numbers, you can tell just sort of from looking. So uh, we call it uh, fudging or spitballing it. But anyway, it occurs to you, you've not just been stung by some insect, but hit by a dart from blowguns. For out of the darkness, cackling with high-pitched and irritating laughter, come the terrible night raiders known as the Hoblins, who you have heard about. There are a dozen hoblins if there are three or four, and they come looming out into the firelight. And now you may roll initiative for your side. Only one of you needs to roll. It's simple d6. And I'm now rolling for the hoblins who got a three. What did you get? Uh, I rolled a three. Well, you'll be happy to know that in most Larry Larry Lorax-designed games, uh, players... Uh, win ties, and so you guys may go first before the crowd of hob, uh, hoblins comes charging into your firelight. What do you do? And of course, the pugilist will act first, having quicker combat reflexes. Okay. Punch him! Um, punch him! Well, I, I could punch him. Uh, how close to, how, like, how far away are they? Well, in game terms, they're at medium range from you. You could easily run up to them in that time. Uh, you could throw one of oh. your axes at them oh, as a ranged weapon or so on and so forth. But, uh, yeah, don't don't go up and punch them, because you have to wait until I go, and then I'm going to do something that's uh, from far back here. Uh, of course, it's also important to remember that in games, you don't really you know have time to sit and have these lengthy strategic conversations. It's all happening in the moment, so I'll try it. I'm saying it real fast. I, I search real fast. I'm just trying to... Uh, rush you a little bit to convey some sense of the urgency of the situation now that combat has started. So if I d- did run up there, could I like hit him after I ran up there? Well, yes. You, of course, uh, uh, may have a movement and an action in a round. I but can't- I can't cast any of my spells. Uh, if you run up there, you'll be in the line of fire. I'm saying this real fast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll throw an axe first then. Okay, well, I don't think we should squelch our, our new player's enthusiasm, Dickie, but uh, 
Let's go ahead and hurl that axe. Uh, it's nice because even though it's a ranged weapon, you will get to use your uh, strength bonus on that because it is thrown. And uh, you hurl. Unfortunately, I hurled, I hurled my d20 on the floor, so hold on just a oh, second. Oh, yes, yes. There it goes. Hopefully it doesn't go down into the practice space and off the loft. That's happened once or twice. Better make sure you get all the dice up because uh, sometimes Plunger and I step on them and, oh boy, that does not feel good. I want that, you, you, you step on that and Legos at the same time. Uh, I almost went to the hospital once because of that. One time I dropped their D20 off the loft and went to the back. The op- you know, the back of those old tube amplifiers um, can be just open. Those guys are lazy. They don't, they don't screw them shut. And so I went right back in there. I, I tried to get the uh, dice out, I'm but I accidentally disconnected some wiring. And, and so at the next performance, they kept getting, like, uh, interference from some uh, prison in Nevada. Hardgate, I think. Uh, the prison radios coming out of the speakers. It's pretty cool. You're making this up. No, I'm not, but I was just filling the time until, you know, Chip got all the way back up from uh, the practice space. I couldn't find it. It's down there. It's, it's like, it probably in somebody's freaking amp or something. I, I was just telling a story about one that went into an amp. It's true. I was just telling that story that happened. Or someone will I wonder if it. it rolled at a natural 20. Was, was that that's good, right? Oh, yes. Natural 20 is what we call a critical hit. But so what, what's their armor class that, or whatever? The armor class of the little hobs is 13. They're not All wearing right. any armor. Oh, to, shit. They're not wearing any armor to speak of, but they're, they, uh, because of their dexterity bonus, their armor class is 13. All right. Well, I, my, I, I rolled on the floor again, but I, I was able to find it this time. So, uh Okay, well, I roll a 20, but not a, but it's like a 20, but uh, because of the bonus. Right, that's what we call a dirty 20. So now you have struck the first hoblin Dude. who has come screaming into uh, the firelight with your axe after it whirls through the air and clunks, and hopefully will roll a nice big high amount of damage now, which I believe is a D4 plus 7 for you. And that's yeah. the pyramid? That's yes. the pyramid, yes. Pyramid plus 7. Don't throw on the floor this time. Ten. Ten points of damage takes out the first hob, cleaving his skull perfectly in twain. Oh, the hobs, of course, I should point out, are small munchkin-like creatures. Uh, well, hairless, reptilian, oh. but dog-like at the same time. Okay. Good. Now, um, actually, Mike Tyson, you can keep going because you have the cleaver class ability and you have killed an opponent. Therefore, you may make an immediate free attack against the next opponent if there is one within range. So, um, using the same axe that's already flying through the air, go ahead and make a attack roll again to see if it hits the second person. A second oh, hob one. Okay, that's, that's, that's pretty badass. That is pretty badass. And that's going to be uh, 18. Now, here's the second one. Please roll damage. And I will just tell you that the hoblins have 12 hit points. I mean, 10 hit points, I'm sorry. So on, uh, on my character sheet, it says, I can voluntarily subtract a number from my two hit roll and add it to my damage roll if I hit. That's right. So but, you rolled, have to, but to be fair, you should declare that before you roll, but we'll allow it this time. You'll allow it. Okay, I see. I see. I see what you mean. Um, but... I needed, what, a four, uh, 14? A 13 is what you need for the hop. All right, so I'm going to add 5 to this, so it's going to be 12. So it's going to be 14 points of damage. The second one is dead. And 
once again because of your cleaver ability. Go ahead and make a third attack roll as the axe flings into yet a third. When is it going to be my turn for crying out loud? Um, <clears throat> so these fighter abilities, of course, Dickie, are meant to compensate for the fact that the fighter doesn't have a, a whole bunch of really cool spells to use. So. Yeah, he doesn't have nothing. So do I have to like say that. the number I want to subtract as well? I think this is, strictly speaking, I think this is really part of the same attack. So if we we're going to use that striker roll, it probably should have happened at the beginning of the sequence. Let's just have a normal attack for this cleaver. Alright, well, there'll be a 19 to hit. That's going to hit again. Let's pull damage. And it is exactly 10. That's enough to kill the third one. However, the momentum of that original axe has fallen. You're still allowed to make another attack due to the cleaver rule. You just have to now hurl the second axe that you have. I shall do that, and uh, but I miss. And every cleave sequence has to end someday, uh. Dickie, as you'll be happy to see. But I favor the rule. I think it allows cinematic fights with large groups. And uh, therefore, let's see just how powerful you are then, um, Wenzel Wolbeard. Let's see what we've been waiting around most of us so patiently for. Uh, I am Wendell Wolbeard, a druid of Dragondale, and a master of the elements. For they are at my command. I cast upon you freezing breeze. Oh my, this is of course a spell that can target multiple opponents, I believe, if I am not incorrect. Therefore, the freezing breeze, of course, counts as a magic missile. And no role is necessary for the breeze to come in. And Now, of course, I said earlier there were a dozen of these... Uh, now, three of them are just dead. They've come in in two different waves. And so the, the remaining three in that wave will be affected by your freezing breeze. However, they could get uh, a save versus this if they were level 10 or higher as NPCs, but they are not, as you've clearly been able to tell by their low hit points. Therefore, they suffer 3d6 damage from you. Please go ahead, sir. And yes. roll that damage. Calculating... It is, uh, uh, 16. Well, three of them would have been slowed down as well by the breeze, but it was enough to freeze the very blood in their bones, and they become brittle, and they fall and die as well. And within the very first round, before the goblins even have a chance to go, you have taken out half of their number. However... On the next round, you hear... Wait. Yes? Uh, yes. You're going to have uh, si- Silas go? Cyrus? Yes, I always forget about my NPC, the silent Silas Seeker. In fact, he would have gone before you. So I noticed that it's funny that you only bring that up now after you've already gone. But um, I'll go ahead and uh, allow him. He will rush in with his scimitar. Uh, you know what? He just rolled a natural 20. Would you believe that? Isn't that amazing? So, yeah. uh, really not the kind of thing you want the DM. It's always DM's funny character. how you always seem to get natural 20s when you're GMing. Well, if you, you can plainly see the uh, the dice right here in yeah. front of you, at least but, in the fictional uh, world, you can anyway. I think uh, it's a trick die. 
Well, if I had a trick die, I think they take waited. You'll be the last one to know about it. I now only do six points of damage, though, to the uh, the hoblins that I attack out of the second wave of six. And now they come in, and that one attacks me back, and he gets an 18, which is exactly my armor class. And I take five points of damage, unfortunately. I'm sorry, I take ten points of damage. And that is... Oh, are you almost dead? No, I'm not almost dead. I have 77 hit points left, if uh. you must know. You, meanwhile, are hit by two people. Uh, you're hit by two of the hoblins, uh, just because w- that's just the way it happened, that's the way it went down this time. The first one I misses you. I would have been aware of that, for, but okay. The first one misses you uh, by rolling a six. Uh, the second one rolls an 18, which I believe hits you as your armor class, already vastly out of proportion due to your plus four ring of protection, is nevertheless only a 17. And you are hit with 2d6 damage, which in this case is seven points of damage uh, from this these rude bronze swords that the hoblins possess. Each of them, you can see, also has a blowgun in their belt with poison darts. And, uh, meanwhile, I'm afraid that Mike Tyson is not immune from them, and even more of them gang up on him, but one of them rolls a 9 and misses. You okay, look, I'm now another natural 20 right here. It's this green dice. So the second one hits him for what would be 8, but not, well, will in fact be doubled for uh, 16 points of damage. And then another one attacks him, but only gets a 4, and a final one attacks to get a 5. And the others, it's just too crowded. They all can't get in to get in any closer, but still more left. Oh, there's six, six more left. And now you're all in the thick of it. Now you're all in um, one hell of a melee, as Larry, Lor- Lor- Larry Lorax would say. So uh, it's now another round. So please roll a d6 to see whose turn goes first. I have rolled a 2 for the Hoblins. <sighs> one. Oh, I'm afraid the Hoblins will get to double down and repeat their attacks. And, again, four of them attack Mike Tyson. We have a 12, a 5, a 5, and a 10. I believe all of those will miss him as his armor class is 19, Mike Tyson. He's fairly heavily armored. Meanwhile, the two that are attacking you, uh, Wendell Wolbeard, one of them rolls a 5, and the other rolls a 9, neither of which are enough to hit you. Not even close. Um, and I also need to make sure that some of them attack our good friend Silas next time. Very easy to forget about him. Really wish we well, could get Lance from Drama Club in here as a special guest to play him yeah. sometime. That would be great. But well, he's a jerk, though. No, I think Lance is a really cool guy. You just don't like him. Because, never mind. We're not going to get into it, although that's some social stuff that... You know what happens The Strategy Games Club needs to stay a strategy games club. Advanced Squad Leader is a brutal game. If things get said, people will, you know, say things that they, they regret. But Lance is perfectly fine. Anyway, we don't want to get uh, too sidestep with that. I'm just saying that uh, Silas, maybe he's been sneaking around, ready for a backstab. We don't know. But it is now the turn of your party who lost the initiative. And as always, pugilists go first. So please... Go ahead, Mike Tyson. Uh, <clears throat> so if they like run in um, 
and are in like close range now, so I can swing my sword at them. Oh yeah, they're now they're all around you in a great swarming melee. All right, I'm gonna swing it. That's gonna be a, a, a what is it? Dirty twenty. Dirty twenty will hit one of the first ones. He's already taken some damage. Oh, I didn't have a D8. Let me get a D8. Okay. Uh, oh, uh, I rolled an eight. So does that mean I get to keep? You, yes, it explodes, and you, okay. you keep rolling and adding. Oh my gosh! So here's my wrist. Twenty-two Two. points of damage. Yeah, so of course you only had the bonus one at the end, but I'm sure you knew that. And that's enough to kill the first one. So possibly you may cleave into the second one. Let's see what happens. Again, the armor class is thirteen. Oh wait a minute, I didn't need the. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. I, yeah, I didn't double that because it wasn't a critical. Uh, sorry, I'm new. Um, all right. Um, Everybody's new at some point. So the next one that is a natural twenty. Oh, that will double damage, and hopefully you can kill it. Uh. 15. All right, 15 it is. He is dead. And will the cleaving continue? We shall see. Well, no, because I rolled a 1. Oh, well, in that case, that is a critical failure, and you hurl your weapon, uh, and it uh, lands in a tree, then you're forced to uh, run off to retrieve it. Unless you'd just like to go get it later and stay here and punch with your fist on the next round. I don't want to make that choice for you. I'm just telling you your options. No, and I'll probably get it. And meanwhile, uh, Silas Seeker decides that uh, he'll go get it for you, and he'll be a helpful NPC, and he's a little burglar specialist, so he runs off to do that for you. And meanwhile, Dickie, it is uh, Wendell Woolbeard's turn. What does he do? There's, uh, there's still three of these left alive, but they're looking a little nervous now. They're, they're yeah, buggy as nervous. They should. Big, buggy, nervous Betty Davis eyes. Well, let me call, let me cast, I cast Jolting Bolt Uh onto you. Here comes the Jolting Bolt. And so one of them is going to get a Lightning Bolt up there behind uh, for 3d10 damage. I I have a health rule that it will be no less than half. Like, if you you rolled a 3, it will be like 3 ones. I would give you the 15 that you would have gotten if it had been half damage. So, with all these big spells, I like to make sure they have a punch. So, you have a potential to do 3 to 30 points of damage, but if you roll less than 15, it'll be 15. I think it's a very generous health rule, but that's the kind of generous uh, uh, games master that I am. I have done 21 damage to you. Yeah, calculator watch is coming in handy. Isn't it? Um, 21 points of damage fries that one twice. I mean, it kills him twice. He is smoking on the floor. I'm going to rule that the other two must make a morale roll. They, however, uh, do not break and fold. They are very stupid, and they decide they're going to stay here. That Just maybe they can take you. Just maybe they're getting too tired. And let's have uh, another initiative roll, please. And I have a three for the hobbling. You can, you can roll it, Chip. All right. What is the the square one? Yeah, the square one. It, Technically, it's a cube. Sided. If you're gonna I be going to math club. You need to realize that's a cube, not a square. 
Well, I, yeah. I, I, I know that's I mean, not why you're going to math club, of course. But the, the sides are square. Um, he 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 goes to math club uh, uh, to. Oh. Uh, Don't worry about that. Let's not get embarrassing. Let's just say it. Let's just. I saw, I saw uh, Abby and them uh, smooching. All right. Well, let's just not worry about that. We're not here to talk about smooching girls unless they're imaginary girls. I sh- saw it through my binoculars. I'll throw. A- I wasn't looking I'll- at that. Oh, that's uh, that's really disturbing confession. It was an owl. I saw an owl. Well, if you were owl watching, and all bets are off because I mean that's yeah. a high priority. Activity, but again, we're we're sort of digressing here. I'm sorry. Where do we leave it, friends? I rolled a four for initiative. Okay, and they had a three, so you guys win the initiative. There's only two of yes. them left, and one of them is I mean, three of them left, and one of them is wounded. And uh, being the pugilist, of course, uh, you will go first. Uh, did uh, Silas return my sword? Yes, that's what he did on his last turn. He he handed it off to you, and is now in your sweaty palm. All right. Well, I got uh, uh, an eleven, so I don't think that hits. No, it doesn't. No, no, no. I'm sorry. It was a fifteen. I'm, I'm wrong. Oh, I lied. I was adding my damage bonus and not my <laughs> bonus. Rookie mistake. Well, yeah, that is a rookie mistake, but it can happen to anyone, and it's good that you hit him. Now let's see if you can kill him. Now this one, this particular one, has eight hit points left. So uh, now he's dead because I rolled ten damage. Then please go ahead and immediately make your another cleave attack and see if one of the other two will be. Also, uh, cut in twain by your momentum. A dirty 22 for 11 points of damage. That kills him, and let's see about that last one. Gonna be none left for Wendell. And the team will hit for 12 points of damage. Okay, very good. Now, you've all handily wiped out a band of, uh, of hoblins. However, since this is your first game, Chip, I don't want you to get uh, too cocky after this. Hobbs are very, very low-level monsters. These are like a first-level monster. Oh, you guys are 11th level. This was merely a fight just to, if you could kick the tires of the system, you know what I mean? Get a little comfortable with it. Uh, that sort of thing. And uh, that that is... Uh, well, yeah, they might be lower-level, but we're pretty... We are pretty powerful, uh, so, uh, you know, yeah, we can, we shouldn't have any problem with uh, other, uh, creatures or villains we meet. That's probably true, but I should say that certain abilities, like the cleave ability that worked so well in this fight, tend to work better against uh, creatures with very low hit points, because you right. can kill them easier. But I, I find that that actually fits with most adventure fiction. You, in most movies, you know, the... Like in Star Wars, they're able to shoot their way through like dozens and dozens of stormtroopers. But when it gets to Darth Vader, they've got a, a more serious fight on their hands, you know. So uh, that's usually the way I like to look at it. Uh, I developed that theory after the uh, seminal groundbreaking post-apocalypse film, The Ultimate Warrior, starring uh, Yul Brenner and Max von Sydow. But I believe that you've probably all read my dissertation that I uh, that I, sent. I had that um, Xeroxed and, and mailed to your houses So I'm assuming you've already read my treatise On post-apocalyptic film So we won't get into that My mom uh, Confiscated that, sorry Well well, I tell you what we must do now Is, is, is confiscate time We're not really going to stop playing tonight you guys We're still going to hang out here at my, uh, my house and everything But for the first episode of our broadcast of this game we've really we've come to a close and so after dealing with those hoblins rather handily and perhaps feeling rather confident 
you're able to bed down and the rest of the night passes without incident. But will the next day pass without incident? No man can say. Only time will tell. And so I will leave you. Okay, there. So that's it. Now we stop recording. And so stop recording. Yeah, we'll just like pretend to take a break for a little bit. And then everybody will think it's like a week later. But really, we just, we just took a short break and then kept playing. That's that's really how these pot. That's really how these recordings, these cassette recordings really work. So, well, yeah, I mean, you've got to be running out of tape. you got to put that thing over anyway. You flip it, yeah. Yeah, like I said, though, we do have the we have the two tape decks each on the uh, two you know, ghetto you know, blasters, as it were. So uh, we have quadrophonic bounce. You should, um, we should uh, sneak these uh, recordings in with uh, with Derek's music when he goes to submit it to the uh, um, record stores or or this you know, big music studios or wherever he he gives this. We should. Uh, we should put our tapes in there, and, and then we'll pro- we'll get uh, picked up. And uh, you, it's like you, you, uh, you call it uh, a Dodd cast because it Druids of Dragondale. Dodd cast, yeah, that's, that's yeah. really great. You know, I think we're really groundbreaking some work for this. Is the world's first Dodd cast of a, of yeah. a POD game. So we like to thank uh, Mr. Larry Lor- Larry Lorax. I can never say that guy's name for some reason. I've read all of his books, but I thought it was Larry Lilacs. No, it's like Larry Flowers. No, I don't know where you're getting that. It's Larry Lorax, as far as I'm, as far as I know. But usually he just signs everything LL, you know. So it's it's mysterious. But uh, anyway, though, uh, we're, we'll, let's go have a break. Let's have some marshmallow fluff and. Uh, and then we'll uh, return later. And I suppose in the real world that we will also close out our episode. I suppose we should do that. Yes, I suppose we should do that. So we will say goodbye for now. Goodbye.